<laughs> hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes that's right jsc exclusives you'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else for ten dollars or more per episode now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show you got a business you want me to talk about it i want you to sponsor my show for ten dollars hit me up send me the script i'm putting you over plus you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the people's podcast this is jsc radio well i think at some point we all have to be accountable for the extemporaneous words that we use as well ben carson said that that black people worked for less well i have breaking news for ben carson today and that is you can't see it on my shirt anderson but it says we built this joint for free we didn't build it for less i would also tell him that i believe that kunta kente had no longing no deep desire to one day become toby in this country his his identity was stolen from him and he was brought here involuntarily. Now, whether they had dreams and hopes for their children who may have been been born slaves and then became free one day, maybe that is, in fact, the case. In fact, I would hope that it was the case. But the way that he talked about slavery today is treacherous because it doesn't acknowledge that there were 400 years of involuntary servitude, 35,000 voyages across the Atlantic Ocean to bring black people here involuntarily. That is what was wrong with his remark. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hey now, how the hell is everyone doing? My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 34th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Hey now. What the hell's going on with you? Obviously, you already know this is not going to be pleasant for one individual as we start this episode. But first things first, you're messing with the worst. Let me get off into how you can get at me. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at J Scott Smith. That's J A Y S C O two T's Smith. That's on Twitter, and I am verified. I am original. By the way, I'm also on Facebook at Real J. Scott Smith. I am also verified. Original. I am on Instagram, where you really can get 
all the info you really need on JSC Radio. You guessed it, it's at J. Scott Smith. I'm not verified yet, but I should be eventually. You can hear this show on iTunes. You can hear this show on Stitcher Radio. You can hear this show on SoundCloud and and on podcast.com. So if you're listening to me on any of those places, thank you. Damn it, thank you. Be sure to tell a friend and let them know that you're rolling with the People's Podcast. So, what are we doing this week? First things first, going to be talking about what you heard there in the intro. Plus, coming up later on, going to get a little bit into the movie Get Out, one of the best damn things I've seen in years. But unfortunately, I got to start this episode. Number 34, getting a little personal. And talking about one doctor, the good doctor, Mr. Benjamin Carson. So, as has been stated on a multitude of occasions, I am from the city of Detroit. This show is done in Philadelphia for now, but home is always going to be in the 313. As I'm doing this right now, I am wearing one of my Detroit Tigers fitted 7 and 3 eighths home caps with the white Old English D right on the front, the best logo in professional sports. And the thing about the city of Detroit, as I've talked about on so many occasions, is when we love you, when you're over in Detroit, you are over as long as you don't make us look bad. You are over forever. Ever. We love you there. As long as as you don't do something to make us look stupid. People like Kid Rock, for example. He was cool for a while. He made us look flippin' stupid. One person that has made, hell, essentially two cities look bad is Ben Carson. Now to backtrack here, my mother taught in the Detroit public schools for nearly 40 years. And for 22 of those years, she taught in elementary school. And anybody who went to elementary school especially during the 80s or during the 90s or during the late 70s, they had those little cutouts, especially this is more so the 80s when black history really took off again. And they had those little cutouts of different figures in black history. You had Martin Luther King. You had Malcolm X. You might have had, say, Jackie Robinson or, or, or uh, George Washington Carver, Booker T. Washington. I almost got those two confused there. You could go Benjamin Banneker and Harriet Tubman. And just the list goes on and on and on down the line. If you were feeling militant, you got Malcolm X in there. Things like that. And it was always these figures. They were always on the wall. Marian Anderson is another good one who used to pop up on a lot of those classroom walls. And there were a lot of these political figures and a lot of these figures in history who made all sorts of great discoveries and all sorts of great inventions and were part of huge milestones and landmarks. Great human beings, great individuals. W.E.B. Du Bois is another one that comes to mind. Frederick Douglass, heard he's doing a great job, comes to mind. All these different people, all these different people are pillars and figures in not only the black community, but throughout black history. This is real. And one of the people that my mom, and I still remember this from the late 80s and early 90s, used to put on her wall in her classroom, was that of Dr. Benjamin Carson. Now, 
I didn't know much about Ben Carson. It's not a name I heard a ton in school, but I'd seen his name. And he just, he's, all right, he's a, he was a white lab coat. Turned out just some bitch was a doctor. And, okay, while not knowing a ton about him, I knew he was a surgeon. I'm thinking that he was the first ever brain surgeon. It turns out, no, he wasn't. But he he was a guy who had himself a legit point in history, a legit medical breakthrough. The guy really did do something very good for people in becoming this brain surgeon. Now, the thing I didn't know a ton about him until I got really to college was that he's from Detroit. Here's a fun nugget, a little fun tidbit that a lot of people don't know. He and my dad went to high school together. That's something I didn't know until about maybe seven, eight years ago. And I wondered for the longest why it is. When I've gone into southwest Detroit where my dad grew up and I've been in that area, you don't hear a ton about Dr. Carson. You just didn't hear a lot about him. He's from Detroit, which is something you wouldn't have known considering all he's done is claim Baltimore for the better part of the last 25, 30 years. And now I can understand why we haven't heard much about him from Detroit. Ever since he first showed up as this weird, bleary-eyed, seemingly aloof, at times I wondered if he suffered a closed head injury, who just started speaking. Well, let me backtrack a little bit. I mentioned he's from Southwest Detroit. Now he's the director of the Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD. Housing and Urban Development for a surgeon who has never worked in either housing or urban development. In fact, all he's ever done was medicine and write books and go on speaking tours. That's it. That's all he's ever done. But he was appointed the head of HUD, despite he himself, one of the few lucid and intelligent things he said the last three or four years, saying he didn't want a cabinet position because he doesn't have any experience in any of this. He doesn't belong there. Even he recognized it, yet he was appointed because, quote, he grew up in the inner city. Think about how insulting that is. Hey, you grew up in Detroit, right? So, hey, you should be able to run public housing and urban development, but I've never actually done this. Oh, you're black and you lived in the inner city. That's good enough for me. And he accepted it. So he's at fault too. But this notion that he grew up in the inner cities which is a very heavily coded term, by the way, and he lived in public housing in the inner cities, and that's how he has his experience because he grew up in public housing in the inner cities. And no, he didn't. He grew up in the same neighborhood as my dad, a neighborhood in southwest Detroit called Delray, which today sits not that far from the Ambassador Bridge and the infamous Michigan Central train station. It's an area that is just kind of buttresses on Corktown where Tiger Stadium used to be. It's where Southwest Detroit is. It's, it's that Mecca. It's where Southwestern High School and Western High School, which is now Western International High School, are located. It's the long-standing area where you have a large Latino contingent, and it sits not that far, really, from the back end on Dearborn, where you start to now get the more Arab and Muslim population. It's actually pretty diverse. And it also has no public housing there. It never has. And Ben Carson lived there for a long time, a long damn time. So when he tells you he lived in public housing in Detroit, he's full of shit. 
There's no other way for me to put that. You didn't live in public housing, Dr. Carson. You lived in a nice neighborhood. You lived in a neighborhood that had a lot of families. You lived in a neighborhood that had black families and some white families and some Mexican families. There. Very diverse neighborhood, especially for Detroit. Well, at least as diverse as Detroit can get. Simply put, telling people you grew up in public housing is an insult to the people who live in my dad's neighborhood of Delray and the people who live in Delray now. So my issue with him isn't just simply the ridiculous things he said. And oh, we'll get to that. It's this lie that he purports. He's always been a little off. That weird, wacky little campaign he ran for president, for example, really laid out there how cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs the, the, the good doctor is. He of the gifted hands is. He said some weird things. We laughed at him when he said the pyramids were built to hold grain, for example. See, some of that is just silly, and some of that is just funny, but then some of it isn't. Some of it's very dangerous, like when he dared to suggest that autism is caused by vaccines. You know this is not true, but to curry favor with a certain voter base, you propagated this. It's not true, and that's what's scary about Ben Carson. Because when you get things like what happened on Monday, what Angela Rye was talking about in the intro, when you get things like this. That's what America is about. A land of dreams and opportunity. There were other immigrants who came here in the bottom of slave ships, worked even longer, even harder for less. No, unacceptable. But they too had a dream. What are you talking about? That one day their sons daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, great-grandsons, great-granddaughters might pursue prosperity and happiness in this land. Oy vey, Jesus Christ. What are we supposed to do with that exactly, Ben? You're up here making this debut intro speech as you're the head of HUD, Housing and Urban Development, despite the fact you have no experience in either, and the only qualification you had for the job is that you're black and you lived in, quote-unquote, the inner city. Literally, there are, there are hundreds of millions of people where that could apply to right now. And that came out of your mouth. I don't even know how you got on the subject matter of slavery and immigration. Because those are two different things. I shouldn't have to explain this to you. That slavery and immigration are not mutually exclusive. And I know, I know, I know red hat wears. But Obama said the same thing. How come nobody came after him? See, I'm already ahead of you on that. Quote, and perhaps like some of you, these new arrivals might have had some moments of doubt wondering if they had made a mistake in leaving everything and everyone they ever knew behind. So life in America was not always easy. It wasn't always easy for new immigrants. Certainly it wasn't easy for those of African heritage who had not come here voluntarily and yet in their own way were immigrants themselves. There was discrimination and hardship and poverty. See, that's the difference. President Obama, when he said it, acknowledged there was a difference. This Dender Mifflin Carson does not. He insists. Because apparently that's what we do 
in 2017. When we say some stupid shit, we don't apologize, we don't make amends, we double down on it. It makes no damn sense. And it's angering me to no end. And I know some of you are saying, but Jay, he's he's the man with the gifted hands. Not to be confused with the man with a plan, Brian Kendrick. But no, he's the man with the gifted hands. He made history. Maybe, can't you just give him the benefit of the doubt? Maybe he just didn't know. BS. He's 66 years old. He's 67, I think. He's damn near the same age as my dad. He knows better. He knows what he's doing. Okay, I can't say that because, again, if you've seen Ben Carson speak, he may not always know what he's doing. But in this case, what he's doing and how he's doing it is calculated. It is. It's calculated. I mean, you think about that weird, sleepy, dreary-eyed kind of aloof delivery that he has, that dopey, shit-eating granny puts on. He'll wax poetically about Jesus. You even listen to the cadence that he was speaking in there. Some of that is calculated. He actually believes a lot of this. And that's what's so scary about this whole thing. It's easy to mock Ben Carson. Seriously. He makes it so damn easy. You just wind him up. He says stupid things. We all get a rise, laugh, or angry tweet out of it. But the reason this ignorant bullshit he says isn't to be taken lightly is because despite how foolish and nutty he sounds, there are still hundreds of thousands of people who'll see that doctor next to his name and pause. They'll think about what he says. And because he's Dr. Ben Carson who performed all those brain surgeries and he has all these degrees he's got to be a smart man he's got to know what he's talking about he lends credence and however fleeting credibility to every backwards stupid asinine and racist stereotype that's left out there about us and it's just as nefarious as it is foolish he deserves our scorn, our derision, and our shame. Not just our chuckles and our dank memes. And as much of a kick as I got out of Samuel L. Jackson's tweet about him, and as much as I've gotten a kick out of the comparisons to the movie Get Out, this ain't no laughing matter. This guy is in charge of housing and urban development, and he doesn't know whether to shit or wind his watch in regards to either. He thinks that slaves were immigrants quote, involuntary immigrants was the term he used. Involuntary immigrants that worked for less. No, fool, they worked for nothing. Slaves were abused. Slaves were raped. This country went to war over slavery, regardless of what they tell you in Texas. This entire country nearly disintegrated over slavery. It's not that simple, Ben. They came here in chains, Ben, to quote the New York Daily News. They were not immigrants, Ben. They were slaves, Ben. They were captured. Children were separated from their parents, Ben. Women and some men were raped, Ben. The scars of that are still there, Ben. Jesus Christ and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. How did you get a medical degree? This man curried 
so much respect and so much favor in the black community for so long, and especially in Detroit. But yet now, really in the last two years, it starts to make sense why you don't hear and hadn't heard much of Ben Carson's name referenced in the city of Detroit for a long time. And if you go back to Delray, where my dad's friends and some of his some of his closest friends still live in that area or they still get together today, you won't hear too many kind words about Ben Carson. And it's only now that this generation, my generation, and the one that follows me, the millennials, and the one that'll follow them, they won't know Ben Carson as the dude with the gifted hands. They're gonna know Ben Carson as the guy who for some odd reason thought that pyramids held grain and you could zap people's brains in a way to make them remember books and vaccines contribute to autism and somehow he thinks slaves are involuntary immigrants. It's a damn shame too because for someone with his background and someone with his pedigree, these should be the best times of his life. He should be rolling down, making money, selling books and getting ready to be a historical headline. Instead, he's going to end up being a historical punchline and this country's footnote. My name is J. Scott Smith, and we're going to lighten this damn mood up on the other side of this break as we get to talk about one of the funniest, most stressful damn horror films I've ever seen. Two words, get out. My name is J. Scott Smith, And this is episode 34 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio, and we'll be back after this. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. So, you know, I'm a dog, and I'm kind of new to this family, but I've noticed a trend. My humans do this thing where they go around and get all my toys and hide them in this basket, but it's always the same basket. And it's always the same place. And then they act so surprised when I find them. But I'm like, hello, that's where you put it last time. Humans are the worst at hide-and-go-seek. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. <laughs> hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kindle Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free, you can listen anytime, anywhere. Now if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. You don't have the Stitcher app? Simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. This is JSC Radio. I didn't want to tell you. What? I got hypnotized last night. Nigga, get the fuck out of here. 
Oh, yo, yo, yeah, yeah, to quit smoking. But it's Rose's mom's a psychiatrist, so. Bruh, I don't care if the bitches are Yana Von Zant, okay? She can't fix my motherfucking life. You ain't getting in my head. I know she called me off guard, right? But it's cool because I'm cured. It worked. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? Look, they could have made you do all types of stupid shit. They'd have you fucking barking like a dog, flying around like you're a fucking pigeon, looking ridiculous, okay? Or, I don't know if you know this, white people love making people sex slaves and shit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're not a kinky sex family, dog. Look, Jeffrey Dahmer was eating the shit out of niggas' heads, okay? But that was after he fucked the heads. Do you think they saw that shit coming? Hell no, okay? Thanks for that image right there, man. Hey, man, I ain't making this shit up. I saw on A&D, man. It's real life. Yo, man, it's the black people out here, too. It's like all in Mr. Movement. Damn it, if that ain't the best friend a brother could ask for, I don't know who is. Welcome back. Episode 34, JSC Radio. And as you can hear underneath me, today is March 9th, 20th anniversary of the passing of this man, the notorious B.I.G., and obviously, I would have been derelict in my duties if I didn't bless y'all with a little bit of a biggie track, something, during this show. 20 years, March 9th, 1997. Where the hell did the last 20 years go? But we lost an absolute legend on the mic. I'll get to him before the end of this show. Once again, you can follow me at Smith on Twitter. I am verified. Original. You can follow me on Facebook at Real J. Scott Smith. Verified. Original. Not verified on Instagram, at least not yet, but I'm getting there. I'm at J. Scott Smith on there. And I am also on Snapchat at J. Scott Smith, if that is the type of thing you're into. I also want to thank each and every one of you for listening, whether you're listening on iTunes or on SoundCloud or on Stitcher Radio or on Podcast.com. And by the way want to let you know if you're on itunes or on stitcher radio be sure to leave a review and a five star rating five stars damn it five can't make that plain enough to you like king kong bundy holding up the five give me that five star rating leave a review and if you're on soundcloud be sure to you know drop a comment post a like subscribe damn it show your boys some love so as you heard there as we're coming out of the commercial break I gotta take a moment to talk about Get Out. I don't, I, I don't normally get like this about movies. It's rare for me. We go out last weekend and see Get Out. Oh my God, that movie. Because so often, uh, the thing with me is, I often can't stand when things are hyped up to the hilt. When you just hype something up and tell me, you gotta see this, man. You gotta see this. It's the best thing ever. Oh my God. Or you gotta hear this. It's the best thing ever. Or why aren't you watching this TV show? It's the best thing ever. I tend to be a little contrarian in these sort of things because too often, y'all got bad taste. And what y'all think is hot is really hot garbage. It's basura, it's trash. There's nothing I want to watch or nothing I want to listen to. I'm especially like that with a lot of your tastes in rappers. I've learned in the last 10, 12 years, whenever someone is hyped up to be the best rapper ever, I take one listen to them, and I basically want to rip off my ears and burn them. That, that's how bad it is. But I remember when I saw the trailer for Get Out. The first time I saw the trailer for Get Out, it piqued my interest because, A, 
it was kind of a psychological thriller horror film with a black cast, or at least a black lead. And it was produced by Jordan Peele, the Peele and Key and Peele, obviously. And I'm sitting there like, huh. So he's not trying to go the Wayans route and make this some sort of parody. Like, this is a legit scary movie. And I see that trailer, and I'm intrigued to the point where it's like, you know what? I think I'll actually do this. Because it takes a lot for me to get out and see a movie. And going to movies is pretty expensive these days. It's not something you can just spend 10 bucks on like back in the day. So if I'm going to spend money to go to a movie, it's got to be good. Or at least seemingly worth my time. Because we've all been to shit movies before. We've all seen movies that were no good. Movies that looked like they were going to be great, and you get in the theater, and you immediately just want to go jump off a bridge. It's, it's been there. When I say Get Out was amazing, I'm probably underselling how amazing it is from the entire premise of the movie. And those of you who have read all the different stories and heard about all the different Easter eggs, this is spoiler heavy. This movie's been out too. This will be the third weekend this movie's out. You get two weeks to watch a movie before I can start spoiling the damn thing. And that's how it's going to be. If you haven't seen this movie, then I suggest you push pause on this thing, go see the movie, and then turn this bad boy back up when you get out the theater. Because trust me on this one. This movie is worth your money, worth your time. I'm sitting here putting a, I'm sitting here putting a movie over that I'm not getting paid to do this. That tells you all you need to know. The whole premise of it. This brother was, is with this white woman. And she's taking him out to see his fam- to see her family. And along the way, you've seen the commercial. You've seen it in the, in the trailer where the deer magically hits the car. And that's the, that's the first part of this thing. And it's like you see this in the preview. You see this in the trailer. And it immediately kind of clicks and it turns on. And dare I say, it triggers something in you. Because it's something that a lot of black men have gone through. Sir, can I see your license, please? Wait, why? Yeah, I have state ID. No, no, no. He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Yeah, why? That doesn't make any sense. Here. You don't have to give him your ID because you haven't done anything wrong. Maybe, baby, it's okay. Come on. Anytime there is an incident, we have every right to ask. Ma'am, the... Yeah, I'm good. Get that headlight fixed. And that mirror. Thank you, officer. And when you're in the theater and you see that and you see her basically standing up to this white cop and this white cop doesn't call for backup. He doesn't wrestle her to the ground. He doesn't get in her face. In your head, you're thinking, damn, Kind of needed one of them with us on the road so we don't get ticketed or harassed, especially when we didn't do anything wrong. But then you look back in retrospect after watching the movie, you're thinking she might have been just setting a pick on this cop to make sure he doesn't get this ID and doesn't get this guy's name. So when he inevitably turns up missing, the cop can't immediately say, yeah, last I saw him, he was with Miss Armitage. And from the moment he gets to that house, that's when shit got weird. You heard the clip at the start of this segment. So you already know what came from that. He's a smoker. The parents 
One is a brain surgeon and one is a psychologist and she uses hypnosis on her patients. She hypnotizes him. He goes to the sunken place, which a lot of the Ben Carson memes the last few days have been referencing that. That's what they're talking about is the sunken place that she sends him off to, which all it does is set him up. And along the way, the next day they have this big-ass garden party. And the garden party thing, it immediately hit me because it reminded me so much of the first episode of The Boondocks. If you remember the first episode of The Boondocks, Huey and Riley and Granddad went to this garden party at the Onceler's. Now, obviously, it wasn't nearly as hilarious as the garden party the Onceler's went to, but yeah, he's there, and then he ends up encountering a rather familiar face from a gentleman named Logan. Good to see another brother around here. <sighs> yes, of course it is. <laughs> Something wrong? There you are. <laughs> Can you do something with this? Yes, yes. Oh, hello. I'm Philomena, and uh, and you are? Chris, Rose's boyfriend. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. That's nice. Um, Logan, I, I hate to tear you away, dear, but the Wincots were asking about you. <sighs> well, it was nice to meet you, Chris. Unfortunately, podcasts can't show, or at least not audio podcasts anyway, can't show that awkward exchange where he holds out his hand for the dap and quote-unquote Logan grabs his hand to shake it as opposed to giving him a pound. Needless to say, that was weird. And then after he disappears, after Chris disappears off into the house, they're playing quote-unquote bingo except it's not bingo, they're auctioning off Chris's body because they're weirdos who are harvesting people's brains to turn them into hosts, where they're going to take like old people and implant them into current host bodies. It's weird. It's freaky. It's scary. You have to see the whole thing, though. For those who haven't seen it again, why the hell are you listening to this? Go see the damn movie. I'm not getting paid to put this movie over, folks. I'm not. That should tell you all you need to know. I don't do shit like this unless I'm getting paid for it. So for me to do this clean, let me tell you, it, it, it says something. Because this movie will have you going through all sorts of emotions. The scene where Rod, his buddy, is trying to find him. He's up in the police office holding the pup, talking to the police detective she calls in two other co-workers and they laugh in his face it's like it's almost like you kind of get a kick out of it because so many brothers these hoteps out here with these crazy conspiracy theories about brains brainwashing and kidnappings and sex slaves get laughed out of the room go figure this is the one time the dude sitting in the police station saying this is telling the damn truth and nothing tops the end of the movie after georgina is killed after I forgot the name of the guy who was the, the other caretaker, the male caretaker, where he snaps out of it for a second thanks to the flash of a light bulb from a camera, camera phone, because that's what temporarily snaps them out of trances is the camera phone. The light from the camera phone snaps them out of it. She snapped him out of it, or should I say he snapped him out of it, 
and he shoots the girlfriend, who's played by Allison Williams. Shoots her. Then Chris mounts her on the ground, tries to choke her out and finish her off like he's finished off everybody else. And then you see the flashing police lights and everyone in that theater, the collective groan, the oh no, the foreboding, because if you are a black man and you've seen this, or just black in general, and you've seen this happen over and over again, it's the worst nightmare. This guy's fighting for his life, defending himself, and by the time the police show up, he's on the ground choking out this white woman. And I just remember putting my hands over my head and saying, you're not gonna, do, you're not gonna end it like this. You're not going to do it like this. That's not how this thing ends, right? And then you see as they pan up, the door opens and it says airport. Because Rod is T.S. motherfucking A. And they handle shit. Saved him. I only gave a brief synopsis. You have to see that movie. If you've seen it, go see the shit again. If you haven't seen it, look. I may have spoiled it, but I warned your ass first and foremost. That movie did something to me, as it has everybody who's seen it, even the most cynical, smart-ass, contrarian person. Can't watch that movie without it hitting them somewhere, someplace, somehow. The word triggered has taken on a life of its own these days. It's often overused and goofy. But when I tell you this movie legit triggered things in me that I hadn't felt in years, I damn sure mean it. It was brilliant. And few movies speak to the psychological aspect of the black male experience like Get Out. Because that's the thing. This was a psychological thriller slash dark comedy type of film. It was not easy to just put this in one box. It's like you took a little bit of everything. You took from some of the all-time great horror films. It's like there were parts of this movie that were like The Shining. There were parts of this movie that were like The Sixth Sense. Attack of the Body Snatchers. And I know I'm missing some other ones too. But then there were parts of this movie, like I said, that were like The Boondocks. There were parts of this movie like, that were like Tales from the Hood. It's like you took all this, put it together, and that's what you get in Get Out. And it took you to a place where it messed with you. And it hit every possible taboo, every possible sensitive spot, every single place that those little snowflakes who like to call people snowflakes don't like to go to. The interracial dating thing. They don't like going there too much with it. The fact that if you're a black man and the police pull you over, you're immediately reaching for your ID and having to justify why your ass is here, even if you were the one who was hit. Even if you were the passenger in the car, not the driver. This feeling of being unbelievably uncomfortable, yet totally used to being the only black face in the room. The sense of relief when you see another black man walk in there, only for him to look at you like Boo Boo the Fool. This feeling of being trapped, of being talked down to and seen as this piece of meat, as this body, and not as an independent human being capable of thinking for himself capable of doing his own thing and thinking his own thoughts and being his own man or being their own woman. This movie hits you in so many damn ways. Plus, it was really funny. That's the other thing. This movie was not meant to be a comedy. But damn it, there were some funny-ass moments in this movie. It, it had everything. It had absolutely everything. It 
even down to video game-like Easter eggs. It's like you took, uh, and when I mentioned all the things this movie put together, hell, it's like they took Resident Evil, Resident Evil 7, and kind of melded that into the film. Jordan Peele is brilliant. You got to be smart to do the kind of comedy that he and, and Keegan, Michael Key, shout out to Detroit and Southfield, he's from Oakland County too. You got to be really intelligent to do the type of comedy that they do. But to then turn around and flip it, and this was a masterpiece. And we just got on the other side of the Oscars. And it would be really difficult for me to see a situation where at least one Oscar nomination doesn't pop out of this movie. But who knows, maybe next year is the not-so-black year and it doesn't happen. And by the way, I want to get off one other thing real quick before I close this thing out. This whole thing from Samuel L. Jackson about why couldn't he have cast an American black man as opposed to a British one. I love Sam. Sam is one of my three favorite actors of all time. This man has done damn near everything in the business, literally, for years. He is a cat who legit started from the damn bottom and worked his way up. He's an icon. And he couldn't be more off base if he were leaving rehab on this one. Daniel Kaluuya, Idris Elba, John Boyega, Thandie Newton. Oh, I can keep going down the line here of black British actors who've come over to this country and done real shit. This idea that since they're British, they don't understand because they've had interracial dating. Let me tell you something. The only difference between a black British person and a black American is the accent. That's it. Black Brits, no racism. Black Brits have the same issues as American black people have. Interracial dating causes just as much consternation and bullshit in England as it does in the United States still. I've got a really good friend who used to work at CNN. Now she works overseas. and She's from London. She's got the most delightful British accent. She grew up in England. She's black. And she could tell Sam just how wrong he is in this assessment. And I don't blame John Boyega from the Star Wars films for telling Sam to go piss up a rope. It's a stupid argument. And it's not one we need to be having. It's really silly when you look at it that most of these cats who are in England, these black British guys from England, these black British actors, black British people in England are often African immigrants. They're actually... By our metrics, of course, in this country, they're blacker than most of our black asses are. Black British people being cast to play American blacks. The only difference is the accent. Now, when the ladies see Idris Elba, they see one thing. When I see Idris Elba, I see Stringer Bell. Idris Elba ain't from Baltimore, but you couldn't have told me his ass wasn't. He's always going to be string to me. And I still want to know where the f Wallace is. But don't be sitting here telling me that... Just because they're British, they don't understand what it's like to be black. What the? How stupid is that? It don't make a difference if you're from England. If you're from, it, it really don't make a difference if you're from England or if you're from the Bronx or if you're from Detroit or if you're from Sheffield or if you're from Chicago or if you're from Newcastle. Black is black. We all got the same baggage. It's just different name brands on it. That's it. Ain't got time for this. This us versus them. Cause that's some of the that's some of the dumb shit we still do. We're still guilty of that, just like we're guilty of colorism, just like we're guilty of 
of, of classism, all this silliness. This really ain't the time to be nitpicking. Well, why couldn't he cast an American black actor? Because maybe there wasn't an American black actor who was good enough to fit the role as Daniel Kaluuya was. Or John Boyega, or Idris Elba, or Thandie Newton. Come on now. Let's do better than this. Like, seriously, let's do better than this. I'll head out of here. Normally, I take you out with our typical jingle at the end of the show for Mario Kart 8. But this time, wanted to take it out with Biggie. Because it's March 9th. And his loss was as startling and as shocking, especially considering it came just six months after Tupac was killed. And it just hits you in a certain place if you're someone of a certain age. It's the same as when older people talk about the death of like James Dean or Sam Cooke or Marvin Gaye. It's the same thing along those lines as it is for those of us who knew Biggie when he died. But the difference is Marvin Gaye was in his, what, his 30s, his 40s when he died? Sam Cooke is probably the best best comparison I can make because he was young and he was entering his prime and he was well-known and he was on his way to something legendary. People don't realize, and I pointed this out on Twitter, by the way, at J. Scott Smith. Biggie was 20 when he recorded Ready to Die. He was 23 when he did Life After Death. He was 24 years old when he died. He would be 44 years old today. You could conceivably say that the notorious B.I.G., who had fashioned a legendary career for himself. He wasn't even close to his prime. He died in 1997 at 24. I could make an argument that he wouldn't have actually hit his prime to about 2001 or 2002 or or maybe 2003. That would have put him 10 years in. And by 2003, he would have been in his, what, maybe 30? Think about that. Tupac was 25. It's the same thing I could say there. Pocket fashioned a legendary career, and he really wasn't hitting his prime when he died in 1996. So he could have been hitting his prime right around 2000, 2001. Think about how much that game changes if those two guys are still with us. And that's not even factoring in Big L and Big Pun and Easy e who we lost in that very crazy five-year span at the end of the 1990s. It's nuts. So you hear the track that I'm closing it out with. And feel free to tweet me at jscottsmith or get at me on Instagram at jscottsmith. I actually put my Biggie post up earlier because the song Unbelievable has been around and around in my head for the last couple days. Share with me your favorite Biggie track. Share with me your favorite Biggie memory or Biggie cut or what you think it would be like if Christopher Wallace were still with us. Until next week, take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pet spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. Another landmark next week as we hit episode 35. I'll see you then. Good night, everybody. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. 
He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.